0: Order questions to the Prime Minister, Fiona Bruce. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Before I start, I'd like to say something. Um, everyone in this House and many people watching at home know from Yes, Prime Minister, the central role that Bernard, the Prime Minister's principal PPS, plays in the life of the prime minister and of number no. 10 downing street well this morning my bernard my principal private secretary died of cancer chris martin was only 42 he was one of the most loyal hard working dedicated public servants that i've ever come across i've no idea what his politics were but he would go to the ends of the earth and back again for his prime minister for number no. 10 and for the team he worked for Today, we're leaving the seat in the official's box where he used to sit empty as a mark of respect to him. We think of his wife, Zoe, his family, the wider number 10 family, because it is a bit like a family, and we feel we've lost someone between a father and a brother to all of us, and whatever happens, we'll never forget him. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr.
1: Speaker. Can I firstly echo the Prime Minister's sentiments regarding the
2: passing of Chris Martin? And I'm sure that all members uh, will have heartfelt thoughts and prayers today, and and we would be grateful if they would be conveyed to the family at this time. Uh, Vision, the excellent children's mental health charity
1: in Congleton, tells me that the lack of a secure family life is a root cause of many problems experienced by the children it helps. The Prime Minister is a champion of family life, so can he confirm that announcements to be made later today will pass his family test by providing security for family relationships and opportunities for vulnerable children.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, can I thank my honourable friend for her remarks? And there will be condolence books in Number 10 and the Treasury and in the Security Service where Chris Martin uh, worked. She's absolutely right that families are the best uh, welfare state that we have. They bring up our children, they teach us uh, the right values, and they care for us when we are uh, sick and unwell. We want to help families, and the Chancellor will have something to say about that later as we boost the national living wage, as we deliver tax. Tax cuts for uh, working people, and crucially, as we help with childcare. And as I've said before, all these policies uh, should pass the
2: test of of helping Britain's families.
0: Jeremy Corbyn.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On behalf of the opposition, could I also express my condolences to the family of Chris Martin on his death? Uh, The Prime Minister told me how ill he was on Remembrance Sunday, and I'm pleased that he was able to visit him at that time. And also, on behalf of many members who worked with Chris Martin when we were in government, appreciate very much the professional work that he did in the very highest and best traditions of the civil service in this country. And if our condolences could be passed on, I think that would be very helpful. Uh, This week, Mr. Speaker, 55 Labour councils have made a commitment for their areas to be run entirely on green energy by 2050. With the Paris Climate Talks just days away, will the Prime Minister join me in commending those councils, and will he call on all Conservative councils to do the same? Well, I certainly commend all councils for
0: wanting to promote green energy, and we've made that easier in our country by having the um, feed-in tariffs and the other measures we've ha- ha- help had to help for particularly solar power and also uh, wind power. Uh, Will be taking part in the Paris climate talks because it's absolutely vital to get that global deal. But we have to make sure that we take action locally as well as globally. And I would make the point that if you compare the last Parliament to the previous Parliament, we saw something like a trebling in the installation of of renewable electricity.
2: Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The commitment of those Labour councils is a bit of a contrast to the Prime Minister's performance, because he used to tell us that his was the greenest government ever. Uh, Does he remember those days? Um, Does he agree with the Energy Secretary that Britain is likely to miss its target of getting 15% of our energy from renewables by 2020? Well, First of all, I believe
0: that the last government does uh, rightly claim that record—the world's first green investment bank pioneered in Britain—a trebling of renewable energy, a meeting of all our climate change targets, contributing to an EU deal. That means we go to the climate change conference in Paris with a very strong European record and the ability to say to other countries that they should step up to the plate. Also, in the last Parliament, we spent record sums helping developing countries to go green, and in the next five years we 're going to be spending nine billion dollars uh, on helping other countries, which will be crucial in building the paris deal next week.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The problem with the prime minister 's answer is that the gap between britain 's two thousand and twenty target and our current share of renewable energy is the biggest in the European Union. And some of his decisions he's made recently, such as cutting support for solar panels on home and industrial projects, scrapping the Green Deal, cutting support for wind turbines, putting a new tax on renewable energy, increasing subsidy for diesel generators. Is it any wonder that the chief scientist of the United Nations Environment Programme has criticised Britain for going backwards on renewable energy? The
0: facts paint a different picture. As I said, a trebling of wind power in the last Parliament. That is an enormous investment. And also, he makes the point about solar panels. Of course, when the cost of manufacturing solar panels plummets, as it has, it is right to reduce the subsidy. If we don't reduce the subsidy, we ask people to pay higher energy bills. Something I seem to remember the Labour Party in the last Parliament making rather a lot of. I think if you look at the Secretary of State, For climate change's speech, you can see the right balance between affordable energy and making sure we meet our green targets. That's what we're committed to. And in addition to that, building the first nuclear power station for decades in our country, something that the Labour Party talked about a lot in government, but we're putting into action now we're in government.
1: Jeremy Corbyn.
2: Mr. Speaker, in the past few weeks, a thousand jobs have been lost in solar companies in Britain as they've gone bust. And I've got a question from some apprentice solar fitters at Bannister House, a large community energy project. Ziggy, Israel, and Jay say that cutting feed in tariffs means you are stopping solar projects that they need to help our environment and give us jobs. They asked the Prime Minister this why do you want to throw all this away? We are doubling investment in
0: renewable energy uh, in this Parliament, and as for solar panels I think I am right in saying that in the last Parliament over a million homes were fitted with solar panels. It is right that we go on supporting that industry, but we should do it recognising that the cost of manufacturing solar panels has plummeted, and so therefore the subsidy should be what is necessary to deliver solar power, not what is necessary to pump up the bills of hard-working families.
2: That is not much help to those who are losing their jobs in the solar industry at the present time. However, I would like to ask the Prime Minister something else. Today is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. On average, two women a week are killed by a current or former partner, and domestic violence accounts for up to a quarter of all violent crime. Can the Prime Minister please explain why one-third of those referred to women's refuges in England are now being turned away? Well, we
0: have put more money into refuges, and the, and, the, and the Chancellor will have something to say about funding women's charities in his uh, autumn statement today. Because the fact is, when it comes to rape crisis centres that we protected or domestic violence centres that we helped to fund, this government has got a good record on helping women and making sure that the crime of domestic violence is properly investigated by the police and prosecuted in our courts. Yes.
2: Thank you Mr Speaker. The late late Denise Marshall, who was Chief Executive of the Domestic Violence Charity Eves, put this very well when she said, if you're a woman who's experienced some form of violence, I believe you have the right to the very best service and the community owes you an opportunity to recover. In 2012, his government, the Prime Minister's government, signed the Istanbul Convention on Preventing and Combating Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence. This would make women's support services statutory and would have stopped the closure of EVES. Can the Prime Minister please tell the House when he will ratify the Istanbul Convention? We are going one further than that, and
0: in the autumn statement he will hear in a minute, we are actually going to be putting more money into women's charities, including charities that fight domestic violence, that fight rape, and that make sure we cut out these appalling crimes in our country. In addition to that, we have also done more than any previous government to help in terms of preventing forced marriage and preventing the horrors of FGM that don't just happen uh, in Nigerian countries in North Africa, they happen here in our country too. I don't think any government before this one has got a stronger record on those grants.
1: Maria Caulfield! Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I have many constituents in Lewis who come to my surgery desperate to be able to earn their own their own home. Uh, Many of them are on a low income, and they recognise that a monthly mortgage payment will be significantly lower than their current monthly rental payments, sometimes by up to 50% lower. So, does my right honourable friend share in the excitement of many of my constituents towards the Starter Homes initiative contained in the Housing Bill, which will see affordable housing lower the monthly outgoings of many people in this country? Well,
0: I do share my honourable friend's enthusiasm for that. Clearly, there are lots of individual interventions we can make, like Help to Buy, that has basically put uh, buying homes in in the reach of many more people by reducing the deposits they need. We can help people to save, which we do with our Help to Buy ISA, so we are contributing every time people make a saving. But The biggest contribution we can make is by building more houses, which we are going to be doing during this Parliament, and, crucially, by maintaining a strong, secure and stable economy with low interest rates. People can afford to take out a mortgage. Yeah. Angus Robertson. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much Mr. Speaker. May I begin by associating the Scottish National Party with the condolences of the Prime Minister, having spoken to him last week. I'm aware of how much of a personal loss it is to him, and of course, to Chris um, Martin's family uh, and friends. Uh, the fatal dangers of unintended consequences and escalation in Syria are clear for everybody uh, to see in these days. All serious observers agree. That an air campaign alone will not lead to the ultimate defeat of Daesh on the ground and that ground forces will be needed. How many troops and from which countries does the Prime Minister have in his plan for Syria? Well, first of all, can
0: I thank the right honourable gentleman for his remarks about Chris Martin? Uh, who I know helped uh, all parties in this House when they had uh, inquiries. Let me deal very directly with the Syria issue and the question he asked, because I think this is so crucial. I am not for one minute arguing that uh, action from the air alone can solve the very serious problem we have with ISIL. Clearly, we need a political settlement in Syria and a government in Syria that can act comprehensively with us against ISIL. The question for the House, which we need to address tomorrow and in the days to come, is: Should We wait for that, can we afford to wait for that political settlement before we act? And my view is no, we can't wait for that political settlement. We should work as hard as we can for it, but we should be acting now with allies because it's about keeping our own people and our own country safe. Now we asked specifically about ground troops. The fact is there are troops in Syria, the Free Syrian Army and the Kurdish forces, uh, that would work with us to help eliminate ISIL. But of course, the full range of ground troops will only be Available when there's a political settlement in Syria. But the question is simple can we afford to wait for that political settlement before taking action to keep us safe here at home? And my answer to that is no, we can't afford to wait. Yeah, yeah. Robertson.
1: Mr. Speaker, uh, the United Kingdom spent 13 times more bombing Libya than investing in its reconstruction yeah, yeah. after the overthrow of the Gaddafi regime. Yeah, Reconstructing Syria will be essential to secure stability and allow refugees to return. How much does the Prime Minister estimate this will cost, and how much has he allocated from the UK? Well, obviously, we
0: have one of the largest development budgets anywhere in the world, as the support we've given to the Syrian refugees, which stands at £1.2 billion, demonstrates. And clearly, part of our plan, which I'll set out tomorrow in a statement in this House, will be to help fund the reconstruction and rebuilding of Syria alongside the political deal that we believe is necessary. And I would far rather, frankly, spend the money reconstructing Syria than in supporting. People kept away from their homes, kept away from their country, who dearly want to return. Mr. Richard Drax.
2: <coughs> thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I know that my right honourable friend is aware of the gross cor- growing course of concern surrounding the conviction of Alexander Blackman, the former Royal Marine non commissioned officer who shot a fatally wounded insurgent in Afghanistan
0: in 2011. <coughs> if there is indeed new evidence, and if, as many feel, there has been a miscarriage of justice. Would my right honourable friend agree with me that it is right that this matter should be looked into again? Well, what I'd say very directly to my uh, honourable friend is this is exactly what the Criminal Cases Review Commission exists to look at, where there is or may have been a, a miscarriage of justice. As he knows, we gave the internal report of the Naval Services. To Sergeant Blackman's legal advisers, so there is proper disclosure in this case, and his legal team have said they are looking at the option of applying to the Criminal Cases Review (coughs) Commission. Let me just say, while we're on this point, that our Royal Marines have a worldwide reputation as one of the world's elite fighting forces. Uh, They've made an incredible success, uh, an incredible contribution to our country, and we should pay tribute to them. Margaret Ferrier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank
1: you, Mr. Speaker. The government's handling of child sexual abuse inquiries has done little to instil public confidence so far. Last month, the Goddard inquiry announced that they had accidentally and permanently deleted all of the victim testimonies submitted through its website over an 18-day period without anyone from the inquiry ever reading them. These victims deserve justice That's and right. for their voices to be heard. Can the Prime Minister please tell the House what in the independent investigation has taken place to establish the cause of the data loss and to establish whether or not there was any criminality behind it.
0: Well, first of all, I'm sure the whole House will welcome the fact that the Goddard inquiry is now up and running. And the best way to get justice to these victims is to make sure we have the full and independent inquiry that we have spoken about. As for the specific issue that uh, she raises, that is a matter for the inquiry. If there's further detail I can give her, I'll certainly write to her. But what matters is that this inquiry is now up and running. Robert Jenrick.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. 3,000 jobs in Newark were lost under Labour. This month, we celebrate the creation
0: of the 10,000th new job in Newark
1: since 2010.
0: Does the Prime Minister agree that once again, Newark leads the way to a strong economy, high employment, higher wages? And lower welfare. Yeah, well, I'm uh, delighted to hear that Newark has met this landmark. and it is worth remembering that these 10,000 figures they are 10,000 people, each with a job, with a livelihood, with a chance to support their families. I well remember visiting. My Honourable Friend's constituency. I can't promise to visit as many times in this Parliament as I did in the last <laughs> Parliament, but I, I, I do recognise that a business we visited called Know How last week crea- uh, announced the creation of over, over 800 jobs. So, as ever, where, where Newark leads, I'm sure others will follow. Yeah, yeah.
1: Emily Thornberry. Has the Prime Minister ever heard of Shakam Sammy Plummer, Alan Cartwright, <coughs> Stephen Appleton, or Vaso Kako? These are all teenagers who were stabbed to death on the streets of Islington in the last year. Vasso was murdered just two days ago. Given the growing culture of drugs, of gangs, of violence in my borough and many other boroughs like it, does the Prime Minister really think that it is in the interests of my constituents for their safety and security to cut the Metropolitan Police?
0: Well, first of all, every life lost in the way that she talks about is, of course, a tragedy. And many of these lives have been lost because of drugs, because of gangs, and because of knife crime overall knife crime has come down over the last few years which is welcome but there's still too many people carrying a knife and not recognizing that not only it is against the law but it's also an enormous danger to themselves as well as to others so we'll continue with our tough approach on knife crime with the work we're doing to disband and break up gangs and our work to try to deal with the problems of drugs when it comes to policing what we've seen in London is actually an increase in neighborhood policing and the metropolitan Police have done a good job At cutting back office costs and putting police on our streets.
2: Steve Double. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After many years of neglect under Labour, Cornwall is once again seeing investment in our roads, in our railways, in our airports, and in our tourism ambitious to diversify its economy and become a centre for the UK aerospace industry. Indeed, Newquay Airport is the forerunner to be the location of the UK spaceport. Could the Prime Minister please provide an update on the decision for the spaceport, and does he agree with me that Newquay would be the perfect place
0: for it? Yeah. I think it's- very good that in this Parliament we got such strong voices for Cornwall speaking up for that county and making sure it gets the assistance and the resources and the help that it needs. I am a strong supporter of Newquay Airport, not just as a user, but also I think it provides the opportunity for a hub of great businesses in Cornwall. We want to become the European hub for spaceflight, which will help to attract further investment into the UK and create jobs. There are a number of other airports in the running, so I wish them all well. And I I can tell him we're aiming to launch the selection process next year. Siddiq. Thank
1: you, Mr. Speaker. The government and I disagree on much about what constitutes progress on gender equality, but I did agree with the Prime Minister last year when he pledged to change the law to include mothers on marriage certificates. I've heard nothing since. And I wondered if the Prime Minister agreed with me that, with the fast approaching birth of my daughter, I'd like to be valued as equally in her life as my husband. Will the Prime Minister? take this important symbolic step to ensure that mothers are not written out of history yeah. oh, well, uh,
0: this is an area where the honourable lady and I agree uh, and my understanding is that proposals for legislation have gone to the uh, relevant uh, committee in government and she's made a very articulate case uh, for why that bill should be included in the next session
1: Graham Stewart thank you mr. speaker um, Will the Prime Minister join with me in commending the French government for facing down terror, continuing with the climate summit in Paris next week? Will he acknowledge the important role of legislators, such as at the Globe Summit on the 4th and 5th of December? And does he agree with me that his personal presence in Paris sends a message out to the world about our continuing commitment to a lasting climate deal?
2: Yeah.
0: I am grateful for what my hon. Friend says. I will certainly be going to Paris uh, to the start of this vital conference to set out what Britain and the European Union will be doing to bring about this deal. As I have said, what we have put on the table in terms of climate finance, nearly $9 billion over the next five years, is one of the most generous offers made by any country anywhere in the world. I think The good news about the Paris conference is that, unlike we're going to see China and America as signatories to a deal, and that means that much more of the world's emissions are going to be covered by this deal. What we've got to work hard to achieve is make sure it is a good deal with proper review clauses and a way of tightening any deal to make sure we keep to two degrees. That's the task, but no one should be in any doubt. Britain is playing a leading role and has led by example and with money. Yeah.
1: Caroline Flint. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, there will never be a future where we don't need steel, but the government is spending millions of pounds to compensate for the loss of UK steelmaking. Can I ask the Prime Minister if he will send a clear signal today to those potential investors in our UK steel industry that he will do whatever it takes to back a sustainable, uh, sustainable cutting-edge UK steel industry of future. We want to see more steel used in the UK and across the world stamped with Made in Britain. Yeah.
0: I completely agree with the hon. Lady. We want to support our steel business. That is why we are taking action on procurement, and when you look at what we have done through our Royal Navy and what we can do through uh, RailTrack and other organisations, we should back British Steel. We are also going to be exempting uh, heavy energy users like British Steel from the higher uh, electricity charges. But this does go, I have to say to the Honourable Lady, rather to the questions asked by the Leader of the Opposition. If we endlessly push up bills for everybody else, it costs even more to exempt the high energy users. That's why you need a balanced programme. But everything we can do to help British Steel, including a very clear infrastructure plan that you'll be hearing about a bit more in a minute, is all to the good.
2: Mark Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. In 2010, unemployment in Waal Forest stood at around 5% of the working population. It's now dropped to just 1.6%. I'm sure my right honourable friend agrees with me that in order to help those people still unemployed and to boost productivity and wages in places like Waal Forest, we need to offer more opportunities for skills training. Does my right honourable friend uh, agree with that? And moreover, what more can the government offer in order to help places like Wye Forest? Well, well,
0: our vision is that all young people aged 18 should have a real choice of either being able to take on an apprenticeship, and we're planning for three million in this Parliament, or be able to go to one of our universities. We don't want anybody left behind. Everyone should have that choice. He's right that unemployment has fallen in his constituency as around the country. We'll hear from the Chancellor in a minute about what's happened over the last five years. But the fact is that Britain, over those five years, has grown as fast as any other G7 country in terms of our economic performance. And you can now look back and see that the decisions made in 2010, 2011, 2012, difficult decisions, but they laid the platform for sustained economic growth and jobs.
1: Imran Hussain. Mr. Speaker, education in Bradford is facing a funding and school places crisis, and we remain at the bottom of the league tables. Bradford's children cannot be failed any longer, so will the Prime Minister support my call for a Bradford challenge based on the highly successful London challenge? And Will he stop the dangerous changes to the school's funding formula that will drag the children of Bradford further into the land of inequality, despair and neglect? We made
0: made commitments at the last election about funding our schools and funding school places, and we will be keeping all of those commitments, not just the revenue that we provide to schools where we will not be reducing the amount that goes per pupil, but also spending much more on new school places in this Parliament than in the Parliament that preceded uh, me becoming Prime Minister. We are also helping with building new academy chains and new free schools, and they are available for his constituency, as for others. David Trodinic.
2: Does my right honourable friend the Prime Minister agree with me that the turmoil in northern Iraq and Syria gives opportunities to resolve long-standing international disputes, not least with Russia? And does he agree with me that the attack on the Russian bomber, something that never happened in the whole of the duration of the Cold War, was disproportionate and we make sure absolutely that we do not get into a conflict with Russia over Syria?
0: Well, what I'd say to my honourable friend is look, I think there are opportunities for sensible discussions with Russia about the agenda in Syria, which is about uh, a political transition so there can be a government that represents all the people of-, of Syria. And I had that conversation with President Putin last week. He mentions the issue uh, about the uh, downed uh, Russian jet. The facts on this are not yet clear, but I think we should respect Turkey's right to protect its airspace just as we defend our own. But I think it's very important we get to the bottom of exactly what happened. Jim Cunningham.
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker.
1: The Prime Minister very often tells us that the first duty of any government is to protect the public. Will he give an undertaking? To restore the cuts to the police and the emergency services to ensure that the public in this country are protected.
0: I think this government has a good record at protecting the public, not least because we protected counter terrorism policing and we had a funding situation with the police that enabled them to help in a cut of crime of 31% since I became Prime Minister. Jake Berry. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. John Morton, a drink driver, destroyed the lives of Amy Baxter and Hayley Jones. With Ms. Baxter being so severely injured, she's paralysed from the neck down and in hospital 16 months later. He was sentenced to just a three year driving ban, a fine, and a 20 week tag. Weeks later, he successfully applied to Bolton Magistrates Court for his tag to be removed so he could go on holiday to a stag party. Would my right honorable friend look to issue guidance to magis- magistrates that a tag, when part of a sentence, should never be removed to allow criminals to go on holiday.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, I think my honourable friend makes a very powerful point, and I will look at this very carefully. Uh, let me first of all express my sympathy to the victim and her family in what is undoubtedly an incredibly distressing case. It's always very difficult to comment on individual cases because I wasn't sitting in the courthouse and I didn't hear all the points that were made, but the point he makes does seem to be very powerful. A punishment is a punishment, a tag is a tag, and I think he's making a strong case. Yeah. Stuart Malcolm MacDonald.
1: Mr. Speaker, today's Middle East is increasingly resembling the Central Europe of a century ago. Minorities, be they linguistic, religious, or sexual, find themselves under more pressure than ever. I, my constituents, and the Scottish National Party understand the threat posed to these groups by Daesh. But how is the Prime Minister planning to prosecute a bombing campaign that does not alter the demographic map of the Middle East, preventing Aleppo? Becoming the new Lublin or Mosul so the new Budapest.
0: What I'd say to the Honourable Gentleman, we'll set out the arguments clearly tomorrow, but there is a clear and present danger to the United Kingdom of ISIL based in Iraq, based in Syria, planning attacks against our country today. Now, we don't live in a perfect world and we can't deliver a perfect strategy, but we can deliver a clear long term strategy that will work. Now, he talks about the lessons we learnt uh, um, from the last century. One of the lessons I would say we should learn from the last century is when your country is under threat and when you face aggression against your country, you cannot endlessly sit around and dream about a perfect world. You need to act in the world we're in.
1: Nusrat Ghani. Thank you, Mr. Speaker my right hon. Friend, join me in congratulating all the staff at the Crowborough birthing unit—the midwives, the matron Emma Chambers and local activist Richard Hallett—for scoring 100% on their friends and family survey on satisfaction and care. The The commitment of these midwives is only matched by the Conservatives' commitment to the NHS with the fact that the two elections in a row, we have promised and delivered greater investment in our national health service than Labour. Yeah. Can
0: I say to my honourable friend, I think she's absolutely right to highlight the friends and family test. It is a simple way of measuring whether our hospitals are, are giving great care, uh, and I think it's been a real advance in our NHS to have that. But as well as good schemes to make sure that you'd want your friends and family treated in a hospital, we need to provide the resources for that hospital, and that's exactly what we're doing with the spending figures announced today, crucially uh, on childbirth. It's not often I stand here and quote the Daily Mirror, but it is worth looking at what their about the importance of a 7 day NHS and making sure we have high standards across our NHS every day of the week as well as the extra money this government's putting into the NHS the 7 day NHS is also going to mean a much stronger NHS yeah, yeah, yeah. Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh Mr Speaker yeah, 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 yeah.
1: the big lottery fund supports important local projects in my constituency including the gate in Cluckmaninshire, a small children's playground in Octorada, and Persia Women's Aid—projects, indeed, which play an essential role in their community, supporting the vulnerable people this government has left behind. Will the Prime Minister join with me in congratulating these local projects on their work and reassure the House— That this government will protect the current level of national lottery funding earmarked for charities and community projects.
0: I can certainly tell the honourable lady that we will be protecting the big lottery fund. It does an absolutely excellent job. But I'm afraid I can't resist making the point that, of course, one of the things that the United Kingdom brings is a bigger national lottery, a bigger pot that can support (laughs) Scottish charities. And let me just let me just make this point. Let me just make this point following what has happened to the oil price, if there was a Scottish November autumn statement, there would be a statement that was about cuts, 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 taxes, taxes, taxes and no relief from the national lottery.